Hello, real life family and friends. And if you're visiting with us, thanks for watching. Um, I'm Tim, pastor at Real Life in Montrose. And we're in a series um, called Home Improvement uh, Relationship Edition. And, you know, as we start this new year, it's been my heart that our relationships would grow healthier and just be better. And uh, it's, you know, the relationships that we have in our life are so important to us. It really is um, the most important thing outside of our relationship with God is how we relate to one another. Our, our spouses, our children, our friendships, you know, the quality of our life really has a lot to do with the quality of our relationships. So we're, we're talking about relationships and uh, this is, I think, week four into this series on relationships. And today we're going to talk about resolving conflict. And it is a part of life. But before we go any further, I just want to remind everybody that we have an awesome uh, weekend coming up February 18, 19, and 20 on marriage. And so if you're married or looking to get married, I want to invite you to be a part of this weekend with us on Friday night, February 18. We're going to have some conference uh, uh, style um, talks uh, with a live simulcast. And also we're going to have a comedian for like a date night special. So that's going to be really fun. You can look at all this information online. And then Saturday morning, we're going to have a breakfast and a couple more sessions to build and enrich our marriage time together. And then that Sunday morning, we're going to have Pastor Tim and Rhonda Forstoff from Cornerstone in Highland, Michigan, come as our guests and speak about marriage and really encourage us. So I hope you can be a part of that and invite your friends, invite anybody else that you know that's married. They will be blessed. They will have a good time and hopefully their marriage will be even stronger because of it. All right. So let's do that. Let's, let's build our relationships, especially our marriage relationships together. Well, today I want to talk about uh, resolving conflict. And just a quick review. Week one, we talked about the importance of living a spirit-filled life, not a self-centered life. And we are called to be filled with the love of God to overflow that love to one another. So all of our relationships will be better if our relationship with God is better. And the more that we are able to receive our security, our love, our joy, our peace from God himself, the more we're able to be healthier in our relationships with one another. So I want to encourage you to keep growing in your relationship with God uh, by watching and attending church service, uh, getting into the scriptures, spending time in prayer, continuing to grow that relationship in God. The stronger your relationship with God is, the better equipped you will be to have healthy relationships around you. May you be a river of living water to those around you. May you be a blessing and a fountain of life to those around you. That's only possible if you're receiving that from God. Okay, that was week one. Now, week two, we talked about how we can resist offense, how we can be like Teflon. You know, we can, we can begin to be uh, offendably resistant. Things won't stick so quickly to us. But when they do, here's the goal. When they do, when we do get hurt or we are offended, to forgive and release within a 24-hour period. That's what the Bible says to do. Don't let the don't let the sun go down on your anger. Otherwise, the Bible says a bitter root can grow in your heart and you give the devil a foothold in your soul. And that hurt eventually begins to fester and grow into hatred. And that hatred begins to grow and manifest itself in harm to those who hurt you and usually harming anybody else around you. And we've all seen that pattern play out. So we want to pull the weeds. We want to garden our heart. We want to protect our heart from offense. And when we do get offended, we want to forgive quickly. 
Hey, all right? So these are some of the tools that God has given us. And then last week I talked about the law of sowing and reaping. And instead of looking for everybody else around you to change, we understand that we can change by planting new seeds. Okay? The quality of relationships we have today are in large part due to the patterns of the past and the seeds that we've planted in that relationship. So let's plant good seed. Let's... let's um, Ask for forgiveness for mistakes that we've made. Let's apologize. Let's humble ourselves. But let's plant in one another seeds of love and support and encouragement. And if you need a friend, be a friend. Start by being a friend to somebody and you will reap that, that reward as well. So whatever you sow is what you will reap. So let's use that law to our advantage by sowing the right things that we want to reap in our lives. And that certainly applies to our relationships. All right, let's go on today talking about resolving conflict. Wow, if we could all just have the magic formula for this, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> but you know, in honesty, conflict is a gift, especially in marriage, because when conflict is handled correctly, actually what happens is your relationship grows closer. Okay? This is, this is the beauty of, of a biblical understanding of conflict. The conflict isn't bad. It just means we're not on the same page right now. And it gives us an opportunity to see some things where we're like, oh, that's how you see it. This is how I see it. And we come together in unity and it makes our bond even closer, even closer. So today I want to give you some tools on how to resolve conflict in a biblical way so that we come together and the goal here is unity, not rightness. Not who's right, who's wrong, but how do we come together and be one? How do we be united in our relationship? So I want to ask the question, what is the source of conflict? Wouldn't it be great if the Bible answered this question? You know, where does this conflict come from? Well, it actually does answer this question. <laughs> James chapter 4 verse 1 says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? So the Bible actually asks this question. Where's the conflict coming from? And then it answers it. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so one of the things that conflict is coming from is our self-centeredness, our selfishness, our sinful nature. We are all fallen, right? We're not perfect and we all have an ego. We all have pride. We all have a history, we all have opinions, we all have ideas, and we have a will. And when our will isn't uh, getting what it wants, our selfishness or our pride or, you know, some of these different insecurities we have um, creates a conflict. That's where conflict comes from. From our ego, from our pride, from our selfishness, from our opinion, from our viewpoint. And from our will, from what we want. So it's our, it's our sinfulness, okay? Now, in this Bible verse, in, in James 4.1, it says, Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so I wanted to look at that word desire, so I looked it up. And in Greek, it's hedonon, which from that word, we get this word hedonism. Hedonism. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase or not, but hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure or the sensual self-indulgence. And it's actually a philosophy that some people hold to in our culture. It's the ethical theory that pleasure 
in the sense of the satisfaction of desires, is the highest good and proper aim of human life. That the highest purpose of your life, not that this is you, but in terms of a hedonist, the highest purpose of your life is pleasure, self-seeking pleasure, right? And we see that in our culture today. And kind of its, its cousin, close cousin, if you will, in terms of our culture, is narcissism. And narcissism is a preoccupation with self. It's the promotion of self. It's that myself is the most important of anyone or anything else. And so you have this narcissism and hedonism in our culture today that is running rampant all over the place in people's lives, in their mindsets, that their purpose of life is to please themselves and to find pleasure, right? Now, the problem with that is there's going to be a lot of conflict because when this person wants something and this person wants something and that's their purpose in life and they're not the same thing, there's going to be a clash. There's going to be conflict. Okay, so conflict is coming from our ego, from our self-centeredness, from these desires within us. That's what the Bible says, from the desires within us, from our sinful nature. And, uh, and so we need to talk about that. When our conflict is a result of us not getting what we want or us not... Uh, feeling validated or we feel offended, whether it's our pride or opinion or desires or my rights or my perspectives, or maybe it's my will, then we're going to have a problem, right? Um, so the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So Peter is saying, listen, we do not belong here, here being this world. This is a fallen world. It's a broken world. And we do not belong here. We are foreigners. We're exiles. We're exiles from eternity right now with, with the, the presence of God. We have been exiled from God's presence from the Garden of Eden. Uh, but this is not our home. This is not our permanent residence. We do not belong here. So Peter says, listen, we don't really belong here. We're passing through, so I urge you with this in mind to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. These sinful desires, the pride, uh, the egotism, you know, the hedonism, the narcissism, you know, these internal desires of self-pleasure, they are waging war against our soul. Let me put it this way. Um, our sinful desires may feed our pride, and our pride might feel good, might feed our lust, might feed our greed, and those things feel good, our sinful desires, but they destroy our souls. I put in my notes, feeding our flesh or appeasing our flesh destroys our soul, but feeding our spirit restores our soul. And certainly, uh, we can't be feeding ourselves with sinful desires and have a good relationship with someone else because that is a constant battle of wills at play. But our souls can be restored by the Spirit of God. And so we want to fill ourselves with the Spirit of God, right? Well, anyway, there's one other major source of our conflict. It's not just our sinful nature and the fallen world that we live in and our sinful desires and our, our self-centeredness. It's also we have an enemy. We have spiritual forces of evil that are using the rawness of our failures and our pain and our hurt and our sin to cause more conflict with one another, to create division and brokenness in our relationships, right? This is what the Bible says, and I've read this recently in a recent message, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. 
It says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms is not way, way, way somewhere out there or way up in the sky. The heavenly realms is the invisible realm that's all around us that is a part of our experience right now. Just like the Holy Spirit is with us, He's not way out in heaven somewhere. He's with us, but we don't see Him. So are the spiritual forces of evil all around us in the heavenly realms, in, in the realm that we don't see with our physical eyes. Right? The Bible talks about that there's angels all around us and there's different stories where God opened people's eyes to actually see the spiritual realm that's all around us, the angels around us. Okay, And so it is a battle going on here in the spiritual realm. So this implies that our conflict with one another is spiritual. It's not just physical. It's not just that person that you're having a problem with. It is a spiritual issue as well. And it requires spiritual weapons to resolve the conflict, such as prayer, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, right? The authority of Jesus as Lord. And so we need to also utilize spiritual weapons because sometimes our conflict is spiritually created, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But the devil uses our pain, our hurt, our selfishness, our pride, our insecurities, our fears, and he entices us with our sinful desires to sin and to live out of these places, the places of mental, soul places of hurt, of envy, of greed, of lust. And if we live out of that pain, that's going to cause conflict, and that's why this is also a spiritual matter. And we are living in a culture that's fallen and working against us. We have an enemy working against us and we have our own sinful desires working against us. But the good news is that Jesus came and he has overcome. He has overcome the world. He has overcome the devil. He has overcome the, 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 uh, the sin in our own lives. And as we continue to grow in our relationship with God, we also will overcome, we can resolve conflicts, we can live in a different space. That space is who I am in Jesus. That space is truth. It's not filled with my sinful desires. It's not filled with a space of manipulation from the enemy, trying to hurt me and harm me. But I begin to live out of the wholeness and the healing that God has done in my soul. In my soul. Now just think about this really simply. Living and listening to Jesus instead of living and listening to the whispers of the enemy, have a profound impact on our relationships and our own soul. Here's a couple of things I was thinking about. Jesus brings unity. He always brings unity in our relationships. The devil brings division. The opposite. Jesus, he ushers in peace, but the devil, he ushers in strife, right? The influence of Jesus is love, and the influence of the devil is hate. Jesus promotes forgiveness and the devil promotes bitterness and anger. And Jesus is humble and gracious, but the devil, he is proud and defiant. So just looking at my interaction with other people, if I have a conflict and if, I, and if it's creating division, strife, hatred, bitterness, if I'm being proud, arrogant, defiant, listen, I am under the influence of the enemy. There's no question about it. But 
Look at the opposite. If I'm seeking unity and peace and there's love and there's forgiveness and there's humility and there's grace, Jesus is involved. And so whatever the conflict is, if, if there's, you can tell what spirit is that you're under the influence of, right? You're either under the influence of the Holy Spirit or you're under the influence uh, of the spiritual forces of evil, right? Our own hurt or pain and those kinds of things. Now, I'm going to get into some more of this in a little bit, but first of all, I want to share with you just something that is very helpful to keep in mind. There are spiritual forces of evil that can be given permission to build a place of bondage in our soul that creates a wall or a consistent barrier in our relationships that can be the source of constant friction and constant conflict and will not get resolved because you just talk it out. It is a spiritual issue that needs to be um, dealt with in a spiritual way. Let me give you a couple examples. One is types of spiritual bondage. One is unforgiveness. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible says you have given the devil a foothold to operate from, and that is a spiritual issue, and you need to forgive, and you need to cut off that unforgiveness, that bitterness that is, is a permanent uh, hindrance to you bonding with that person. It is going to be a constant source of pain and conflict until you spiritually um, forgive and deal with that, that bondage. Another type of spiritual bondage is vows. Whenever we make vows, sometimes we'll say them out loud, sometimes we say them to ourselves, sometimes we say them in our heart, and those vows can create um, walls. And they, they, we often will make a vow to protect our heart, protect ourselves, but those walls actually, um, the vows actually create walls that keep us from actually being real or vulnerable or uh, empathetic, and we can't bond because there's a vow that's, that's standing in the way, a wall. And we just need to break those vows because God's got you. He's going to take care of you. You don't need to protect yourself with these vows. Those vows are now walls and they're holding you back from actually having intimacy in your friendships and relationships with people. Okay. Another one is witchcraft or idols. Any witchcraft or idols that we have made room for creates a spiritual bondage in our heart. And it's going to manipulate us. It's going to destroy us. And we're going to be hampered in having those kind of relationships with people. And finally, family curses, generational curses, iniquities, habitual sin is bondage in us. And we need to deal with those things too. Okay? Now, I don't have time to go into this. This isn't really the, the focus of the message. I just wanted to highlight that for a second. But if you are aware of any sort of spiritual bondage like I've just listed, what you need to do is three things. You need to repent. You need to renounce or break that, that commitment, that vow, uh, that habitual sin. And, and then you need to replace it with God's truth. You repent, you renounce, and you replace. It is spiritual. You'll have spiritual freedom, but then it will begin to release your soul from the bondage that was there to allow you to bond with people in healthier ways without those walls, without that bondage, without those, those hindrances. And you can, you can then begin to really love someone and you can actually experience real love yourself. So we need to do that. And if you need help, give us a call, contact us. But you need to repent. That means agree with God, change your mind, right? And, and, and turn to God and break, cancel any agreement you've made in your heart 
or you've made with your body or you've made in actions and you say, I cut that off. I'm done with that. You don't own me. I belong to Jesus. And then replace those lies, replace that stuff with God's truth. Okay, so that's a, a, an action step for you to consider. Now, I want to get into how do we resolve conflict. But one more thing I want to mention in this would be this. A lot of our upbringing in our family life has a huge impact on who we are today and how we see things. Um, we all have a family culture. We all grew up with family patterns, traditions, viewpoints, opinions, beliefs, and those kinds of things. And some of those things are good and some of those things are bad, right? And the Bible talks about um, like this idea of a generational curse or iniquities. Iniquity means a sin that is repeated over and over and over again. It's like an addiction. Like it could be alcoholism or it could be drugs or it could be anger uh, or it could be abuse. Uh, and, and it could be these types of repetitive patterns that get passed on from one generation to the next because we're living in it, we're experiencing it, and then we repeat the pattern again. And I want to say this, every attitude, belief, or pattern that you were programmed with, if you will, growing up in your family culture, needs to be filtered through your identity in Christ and through the Word of God. And every attitude or pattern or tradition or belief or um, way of doing things or thinking about things that hasn't been filtered through your identity in Christ and the Word of God is probably causing you trouble today because we need to be transformed and the culture that you grew up in uh, is all you know until you begin to know Jesus until you begin to know his word until you begin to see who he made you to be not who you've been told you are or what you've noticed or or picked up along the way because we're human beings we're we're, we're sinners your mom and dad did the best they could hopefully uh, but not all of them have. But even in that, there were mistakes. There were misconceptions. There, there were half-truths. There were things that weren't right that are a part of who you are that needs to be filtered through your identity in Christ and through the Word of God. Especially in our marriages, a lot of our conflicts come uh, from coming from two different perspectives. Well, this is how my family did it. Well, this is how my family did it. Well, we're right. Well, uh, no, you're wrong. We're right, right? And so then we have this conflict of how to handle life or what we believe about things. And so we need to understand that. Some of the negative patterns I've seen in families, drinking, smoking, drugging, poverty, divorce, abuse, anger, laziness, cursing, racism, chauvinism, narcissism. Right? You can be in an environment with these things going on and the iniquity, the sin of the of the home and the sin of the family is just surrounding you and kind of just soaking into you. And you could come out of that environment with the exact same attitudes or the same behaviors or the, the same, uh, you know, uh, belief style because you just grew up in it. You don't know any better. And so all of that stuff needs to be filtered through Christ and cleansed and changed and transformed. Now, there's some good things, too. Some of us experienced in our families growing up. Good, solid work ethic, honesty, faithfulness, love, support, community involvement, patriotism, generosity, 
volunteerism. Like, you know, maybe you're in an environment where these types of things came upon you and they're good. They're actually doing good. They line up with scripture uh, and they're helpful and whole and produce good fruit in your life, right? Well, hold on to those things, of course. Hold on to those things. But when we get married, especially when we get married, we need to understand that a lot of our conflict is coming from the way that we were raised and the different views that we have on things. So let's go through real quick. How do we resolve conflict? I got a couple of things for you to think about. I hope will bless you. Number one, identify the source of the conflict, right? Am I upset or is the other person upset? Who's upset? If it's me, is this a spiritual attack or is this a soul issue? Something deep inside of my, my soul that's tweaked or a button that's been pushed? Is this a clash of family patterns or is this a combination of things? So I got a phrase for you I want to challenge you to think about. I want you to work this phrase into your life. Look in and look up before you look out. Okay? Before you engage in a conflict, ask yourself these questions. Is this something in me? Because I know a lot of my conflicts is because of my pride or because of my selfishness or because of my insecurities, or because of my hurt, and someone does something, says something, something happens, and a button is pushed on my soul, a sensitive area. It might be my respect button, like I shared with you, I think it was last week. Oh man, I got a pride button there. Oh, I got a respect button there. Oh, uh, I got a, a value or a self-worth button there, right? And it damages my soul, because that's my issue. That's my issue. So if I look in, and then I look up to God, and I say, God, I see where this is coming from. I'm not finished yet. I'm not a perfect product yet. So God, please help me. I, I got hurt by that, but Lord, you are my security. God, I got hurt by that, but Lord, you love me. I'm accepted by you. I don't have to take that hurt on, and I don't have to go and argue, or I don't have to defend myself that person because I find my peace in you. I find my healing in you. And so many of our conflicts will be done right there without even having to have a toe-to-toe -to -toe or an escalating argument or, or a defense that will maybe last uh, an hour or a day or two or three days. Um, and we don't have to do that because we're looking in. We're seeing what, what's going on in my soul. And we're looking up and finding help and strength and healing from God. And then we look out and maybe then, you know, after that, there's times when we need to talk about things, but we're going to come at it from a totally different perspective. So please remember that. Look in, look up before you look out. Okay. And uh, the second uh, tip I want to give you, how do you resolve conflict? Identify the source of the conflict. Look in, look up and look out. Okay. Secondly, hear the other person's perspective. Right, and what I mean by that is not just the surface words, but the, the, the cry of the person's heart. What are they saying or what are you trying to say from your soul, right? We can get caught up in the facts and we miss the whole point because it's not about the facts, it's about what's going on in our soul. The reason there's a conflict because there's something in our soul that got twinged or offended or hurt or upset or feel rejected or feel unloved or feel left out or feel unheard. So it's our soul that's, that's hurting. It's our soul. And Jesus is a good shepherd. He restores our souls. But we can be a shepherd too because Jesus is in us and we can restore one another's soul. And to do that, we have to hear, we have to really hear the soul, the cry of the soul. 
Why did that bother you? What's the problem? And so we ask questions. We get below the surface and we're not trying to defend anything. We're just trying to gain a soul understanding of the issue from the other person's perspective. So many people handle conflict wrong right here at the start and they begin to defend themselves. They begin to explain away or they begin to argue back and try to prove the other person's feelings wrong. And I'm telling you right now, all of that's a waste of time because that's self, that's pride, trying to defend, trying to deval devalue the other person's feelings. And it doesn't work because that's not what the point is. The point is we're talking about our souls here and our souls want to be knitted together. Relationships is about connecting with someone, not proving each other right or wrong. It has nothing to do with relationships. Relationships is coming together, loving one another, bonding together, right? So when another person has a problem or an issue, it's, it's our privilege and our desire to find out how is their soul hurting and how can I help restore their soul? You see? And so that's the third point I want to make is be Jesus. Be Jesus. Jesus wants to be present to that person who has a, a hurt or a problem. And if you have a hurt or a problem or a conflict, then you would want Jesus to be in that other person, to truly hear your feelings, to feel what you're feeling, to give you compassion and to show understanding, not to defend them, themselves, not to devalue you know, what you're going through. Not to explain it away and say, just forget about it. You shouldn't be upset about that. I didn't mean that. I didn't do that. That's not how it really is. And then you don't, your soul doesn't feel healed. doesn't feel at rest. It doesn't feel heard. It doesn't feel compassion. So we need to be Jesus with one another by listening, restoring the soul. Instead of fighting to see who is right, we should be fighting for unity together. We shouldn't be fighting against each other, right? Well, try to disprove each other. We should be fighting for the relationship, for unity. Remember, unity comes from Jesus. Division comes from the spiritual forces of evil. Okay? And God wants you to be reconciled. He wants you to be unified. He wants you to fight for each other's souls, not against each other. So that's why we go all the way back to week one. We have got to be living a spirit-filled life, not a self-centered life. Self-centeredness, ego, pride, all that stuff makes it worse. It doesn't heal the soul. It doesn't mend or solve any problems at all. So if being right is more important to you than winning the heart, you are wrong. You are wrong. Conflict is not about proving who's right. It's about coming together and growing stronger together by finding unity. By finding unity. Finally, Apologize, forgive, ask for forgiveness, humble yourself. I've shared this recently in Philippians 2, verse 3. Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Later in that chapter, Paul says in verse 7, He, Jesus, made himself nothing. In verse 8, he humbled himself. And so Jesus made himself nothing. He humbled himself to restore a relationship with us. Listen, he did nothing wrong and the relationship was broken. 
He did everything right. But what he did was he humbled himself even to us who were in the wrong. We are the ones who sinned. We're the ones who left God. We're the ones who said, we don't need you. We'll do this on our own. We're the ones who did all the wrong things. And Jesus did not come to us with a lecture. He didn't come to us with, uh, a, you know, a, a, a finger and shame. He humbled himself. He made himself nothing. Why? To restore the relationship. Because that's how much he loves you. He loves you. And he in you needs to do the same for those around you. Be Jesus and apologize, forgive, console, show compassion, ask for forgiveness, and humble ourselves so that we can reconnect and reunite. So I want to finish just by an example. And I shared this recently, um, but I was, we were on a, a vacation, my family, uh, me and my wife and uh, my daughter, Tori. And we're doing a, a, just a great trip out west and we're driving and I'm going really fast and I'm going up and down these mountains and turning all the curves. And, and uh, every once in a while I'd see my, my wife's hand go up for the, you know, like the bar on the side of the car. Or I'd see her foot like hit the, hit the floorboard like she's hitting the brakes. And, I, and once in a while I'd see a, a big sigh like, you know, like that. And I could tell she was getting frustrated with me. And inside, okay, inside of me, so we have a conflict here. I mean, I could feel it. I could, tent, I could see the tension. And inside, what I was thinking was, you know, I'm doing all, I got all the pressure on me to drive all the time. We're driving for hours. I'm doing a good job. I'm trying to get us there as fast as we can, <laughs> safely. But from her perspective, you know, she was not feeling safe. She was uncomfortable. She didn't feel safe. But my perspective was, you know, she was challenging my driving. She didn't think I was um, a good driver. Now, she didn't say that. But in my mind, I'm like, I can't believe she thinks she's criticizing me right now by her body language. That she doesn't think I'm a good driver. I'm not doing a good job. She's not thankful for all this driving that I'm doing all these hours and I'm concentrating. And I haven't been in an accident for 20 some years, you know. So in my mind, my pride button, my ego you know, my, my worth buttons were all pushed and I'm defending all this inside of my head, getting mad at her for feeling scared and unsafe. Of course, that's not how I was viewing the situation. And then so, and we've talked about this, Amy and I, and we're going to talk about this live in church uh, this coming week. But, you know, she was thinking totally different. She was thinking, I don't feel safe. That we don't need to rush. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm nervous. She wasn't thinking, he's a terrible driver. I'm, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't think he could do a good job. He, she wasn't thinking that. And so we started to have this conversation and we were in a conflict. I was defending myself. She was defending her feelings. She was feeling like I wasn't listening to her or validating her feelings. I was dismissing all of that. So that made it worse. And uh, for a while, we had a really bad conflict. It was just tension and it wasn't working at all. And then through the process, I began to hear, hear what she was really saying. And I finally, I just finally got into my head that she wasn't feeling safe. And that if I slowed down and if I, you know, did a better job of, 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 of driving at a pace and a style that made her feel safe, then I was showing her love. Would I be willing to lay down my ego, my agenda, my style of driving to love her 
Or am I going to be that guy that says, I don't get over it. You shouldn't be afraid. You have no reason to feel that way. We haven't gotten it. I, I don't, I'm a good driver. You don't have to worry about that. And just try to explain away her feelings. And, uh, and so that's what the tension was. And uh, I'm so thankful, you know, that she was, had enough patience with me to try to help me to see what she was really dealing with. And so that's what I'm talking about. On the surface, on the surface, we're seeing things differently. And the words that she's saying and the words that I'm saying are, are, are on the surface. But what they were coming from was from a soul issue, my pride, her security, right? But she didn't come right out immediately and say, um, listen, honey, I know you're a great driver. I know that you, you, are, you do all of this for us. I'm so thankful, da da da, da. But I, I feel unsafe because of, you know, she didn't say it quite like that, right? And I didn't say quite like to her, uh, my pride is hurt. I feel like I'm a good driver and that you're quite, I didn't say it like that either. I don't remember what we said, but we weren't talking at that level until the conversation progressed. And what I want to encourage you is there's always a reason in our soul for the conflict that we have. And we need to dig deep to find that soul issue. And once I understood her soul was, was the emotions and the feelings that she had, once I got to that place and understood that, it changed everything for me. It allowed me to humble myself. It allowed me to back off the speed a little bit. You know, allowed me to calm down and surrender my agenda of the timeline that I had and the, the importance that I felt like it was to get someplace as quickly as we could. And I found out there's something more important than that. It was that she feels safe and that she feels loved by me, that I validate what she's feeling by responding in a healthy way to that. And uh, that's just a normal conflict, you know, that we can experience. But sometimes those things go into uh, greater detail and cause a lot of problems because we're not hearing each other's soul. So I just want to encourage you to be Jesus, to be Jesus, uh, to not pursue division, opinion, strife, defiance. Those things are coming from ourself and they're influenced by spiritual forces of evil. But to pursue love, compassion, understanding, forgiveness, and the soul, restore the soul, because Jesus is here to restore our soul. Well, I'm done with that message today, but I want to pray a blessing on you. And I also want to pray for those who are watching that just want to get right with God. i got good news for you. God has sought you out. Jesus has come. He bridged the gap of our pain, of our hurt, of our sin, of our rebellion. He paid with his own blood so you and I can be forgiven. He has come to reconcile with you and with me. And the invitation is for every one of us to place our faith in him as Lord and Savior, to receive his forgiveness that he freely offers to us and to be restored in relationship to him. He is the most important relationship we'll ever have because it's not just for our life here on earth. It is for life everlasting. So if you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me in your heart. Say, Jesus, thank you that even though I have strayed and gone my own way and I have sinned, you have loved me through it all. And today I come to you. I humble myself and I give my life to you. I place my faith in you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. 
Forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness and show me the depth of your love and fill me with your Holy Spirit and change me into who you made me to be. I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, congratulations. You're in the family of God if you just prayed that prayer. And for, the, for all of us so who are contending with the conflict right now, relationships, maybe you have a conflict right now, I just want to pray for you that God would inspire you with his truth and these tools, that they'll be helpful to you, and that God's spirit of grace and mercy and love and wisdom will be upon you so that you can walk into a place of reconciliation and, and solving those conflicts by getting to the soul matter and bonding and growing closer and stronger than ever in those relationships. So God, we come to you and pray for your mercy, grace, and wisdom for our relationships. For those who are watching this, Lord, that have a strained relationship or a conflict right now that they're, that they're in, God, just give them the wisdom, the grace, change our perspective, change our hearts, help us to see what the other person is feeling and thinking. Help us to have that empathy and compassion. Help us to humble ourselves like you did, Jesus, and help us to be a restorer of one another's souls. We pray for a reconciliation in our relationships and for our relationships to grow stronger and healthier in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Love you. Have a great day and a great week.